Welcome back. My guest today is someone I've been truly honored to know for about 23 years now. Um, I read a book around the year, it was 1999 or 2000, which was then called Beware the Night. And I was so moved by it that I actually sent a letter to the publishing company and not really expecting much, but out of the blue, I get a call from the author and it's been a blessing to know him ever since. He's a former NYPD sergeant. He's a demonologist. He's the subject of the feature film, Deliver Us From Evil. And the book is now titled by that same name, Deliver Us From Evil. And he also had a television series in which he was the lead investigator called The Demon Files on Destination America. It is my honor to welcome Ralph Sarchi to the show. How you doing, Ralph? Brian, how are you? Uh, uh, I'm speechless by your introduction. Thank you very much. Well, you know what? It's been really a blessing to know you. You are one of the most honest and moral people I've ever known in my life. So just so you know, you're an inspirational human being, my friend. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, Ralph, I remember when I read your book, um, you had written in it um, that the book The Haunted was kind of what moved the needle for you to get into the work what was it about reading that that made you go, you know what, I, I got to do this? Well, I had mentioned uh, the, the uh, book Haunted in, in my book, uh, but it was actually Satan's Harvest that, uh, that got me actually moving in the direction of contacting Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, who were two investigators from uh, Connecticut. And it, it was after reading that book that uh, I, I contacted them and it was pretty much my start uh, in the, in the field or the work as we, re we referred to it. That That's amazing to me. And uh, of course, everybody knows Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I, I know you worked, I would say probably the closest with Ed. And I was wondering like what your impressions were of him as a human being and what you learned from him or some of the most important things you learned from him. Well, you know, when I used to uh, meet with Ed and it was just him and I, he would usually take me to uh, one, either one of the cases that he had written about in The Demonologist or he had taken me to an active case and, uh, you know, we would conduct an interview, him and I. And it was, you know, as many experiences over the years, you know, he was a, a, a World War II veteran in the Navy. Um, he had a lot of experience, you know, in the field of, uh, of the paranormal, which, uh, we called it psychic research back in those days. There really wasn't a big, uh, you know, or should I say an explosive amount of people like you have today, you know, with the, the, the paranormal and, and the, uh, the internet. Right. He's, how we can easily communicate with people on in different parts of the world, on the other side of the world, you know, um, instantly you can reach uh, uh, millions and millions of people. So, you know, it, it was that one-on-one -on -one time, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, talks that Ed and I had and uh, the conversations we've had on the phone, uh, you know, if, if I got a case, I might call Ed Warren if, uh, or I might call Father Malachi Martin or Bishop McKenna or uh, Brother Andrew, who was another uh, clergyman that was, um, you know, pretty instrumental in my life back then. Uh, so there was a lot of people that were, um, you know, guiding me. And uh, and I was going through trial and error, actually. Uh, it, it, it sounds like it. trial and error, what, with demons? <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean. You know, we're constantly going through trial and error. We sin, we uh, we pick ourselves up, we get back uh, on the path of grace, and we, we continue to uh, work towards the goal of obtaining heaven. I love that. I, I'm, I'm curious um, when you felt or when Ed felt, you know what, he can, he can do this on his own. When, how long approximately did that take where you felt you were ready? I, I believe I was investigating with, with Ed and Lorraine for a, 
a number of years, maybe uh, two or three years when, you know, let's face it, Connecticut was a distance from New York. And right. I did an awful lot of traveling up to Connecticut, you know, um, yeah. the, the, the time and the money and, you know, the tolls and the gas and all of that stuff. It, it, it did, it did cause a very big drain on my, uh, on my financial budget, you know, sure. create difficulties between uh, my ex and myself. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where I didn't stop with the Warrens, but we sort of expanded into New York so I can get, uh, you know, investigators trained and, and helping out with, with the cases. And that's what, uh, uh, Joe Forrester, who was my, my partner at the time, uh, that's, that was the goal. So, you know, we, uh, with Ed and Lorraine's blessing, we, we started the New York city chapter, uh, to the New England Society for Psychic Research. That's unbelievable. And and because of that, a lot of people have been helped. And it just shows, as you were saying earlier to me off air, you know where you're supposed to be, you know, and you were just, you were meant to be in New York, so all of that could happen. Well, you know, it, it, it seemed to have been, you know, the starting point. And, and I don't really give it too much credence as far as uh you know that's concerned my job was i was a new york city police officer and i lived in new york you know and uh, god can work with you no matter where you are you only have to cooperate with it that's that's what that's what he needs is your cooperation he wants to he wants to work with everyone to make things better uh for us as his children you know, there's, there's wow. enough evil in this world. There's enough evil people in this world that, you know, when it, it's it's almost like the parable uh, in the Bible that, uh, you know, of the, the hundred sheep and the one w- went missing and yeah. Jesus left the 99 to go search for the one. But when he found them, what great joy, you know, uh, the 99 sheep had. The, sheep, the lost one was found. So that's, wow. that's sort of like that parable. You put that into practice with us as far as humanity is concerned that, you know, uh, we each have a mission in life to serve God's will and to bring as many souls, uh, you know, to God that we can possibly bring. I love that. Truer words were never spoken. Should, should I write a book? Poetry? I think you should, Ralph. <laughs> no, that's right. I got a reputation of poetry. <laughs> you know, Father Martin uh, wrote a book on poetry. You know, I, I have it actually. It's been out of print for a long time, I believe. But, um, you know, and, and I'm ashamed to say that I never read it because poetry is really not. <laughs> not your poetry, wheelhouse. You know? <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> Was it was it Father Martin Ralph who gave you? I believe you have a relic of the True Cross. Was that given to you by him? No, I, I actually obtained the relic of the True Cross from a uh, a priest, Father LeBlanc. Uh, he was out in El Mirage, Arizona, and he was with the Society of uh, Pius the Tenth, which is a traditional um, uh, Catholic Church or Catholic organization. You know, the one that the FBI is calling extremists now in their memo. Oh, yeah, right. That's us. That's the traditional Catholics, you know. The, the ones that kneel every Sunday and every day and we pray our rosary for, you know, for peace and we pray for people. You know, we're the extremists. Yeah. <clears throat> but I know where all of that's coming from, so it's no surprise. I was expecting it, actually. Um, yeah. I, it's a so spiritual battle. was actually uh, in charge of the relics. Um from from Rome, actually, uh, you know, and, and Pius X, the uh, uh, Archbishop Lefebvre, was excommunicated uh, by the Vatican for leaving and, and starting the traditional Catholic movement. And, well, he's one of them, at least. There are many priests that have uh, their hand in uh, perpetuating the uh, one true holy Catholic and apostolic church acquired by Christ at the price of his blood. There's a few of them. Uh, Lefebvre, uh, Archbishop Lefebvre is 
probably the most well-known because of the excommunication and then Rome lifted the excommunication. And so the long story short is I obtained the relic from father LeBlanc, who was in his nineties back then. So he's no longer, um, you know, um, on this earth with us. So, uh, you know, don't even bother trying to find out where he is because he's not here anymore. I right. Believe, I don't believe that, that you can obtain relics anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah, especially something like that, priceless. Well, it, 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 it's, it is priceless. There's no price tag on it. You know, um, it's, it's something that I cherish very much uh, to the point where I have it, I have it locked away. You know, understandable. And, and I only use it when I have a need. If I have a case or something of that nature, it it's a weapon that I actually um, used in in uh, in all my cases. Yeah, I get it. So totally. It's not the it's not the power of Ralph Sachi that's casting out demons. It's God's <laughs> power. And it's, it's through that relic and through the prayers and through the incense, you know, through the blessed sacramentals that we use that are so um, negative to the demonic. You know, we don't want them comfortable. We want them gone. Right. Exactly. It's like pulling out the, the, the heavy artillery. If you're in a battle, you need it sometimes. That's, that's absolutely correct. Uh, now, Ralph, I'm I'm very curious. I think you probably agree too. Some of these TV shows glorify, you know, the field, and I think some people think, "Oh, well, I can go do that." But uh, just so people understand the magnitude of some of the stuff you've been through, like what's like the most frightening experience you've ever had, or one that sticks out to you that left an impression? Uh, it was the one that I wrote about in the book. You know, in uh, when I was in the basement. Yep. Of the, uh, now I'm trying to, the villain of waivers. We changed the names, the real names to the, uh, you know, to the, the, uh, the fake names. And I, and I have to think about it because sometimes I give the real name and I, and I, I honor the wishes of these families that they didn't want any publicity. Sure. So it was the villain waivers. Uh, and I believe it was, um, Westchester County. I was in the basement and um, I had that experience. Uh, I, I didn't sense anything when I walked into the basement. It was, uh, there was a, uh, the basement was split into two sections. One was enclosed and the other was open. And there was a mirror in that um, open section that um, figured into the case. So I had gone down there to, uh, to, to take a look at it. And, uh, you know, I had gone into that enclosed section and it was actually a laundry room and a storage room and I didn't sense anything, you know, and I, I walked out, I shut the doors and I went into the other section of, of the, uh, the basement. I took a couple of photos to document and, and on my way out was when I, uh, first sensed something was wrong and it stopped me right then in my tracks you know, and, and that's not how I've been training myself over the years to, is to, is to freeze. I, I react right in one way or another. I have to react. And, um, whether it's attacking what's, you know, the threat or fleeing from it, uh, you know, it has to be a judgment in, in that, but I couldn't move. And I, I, I faced those doors and I couldn't breathe and my heart was beating and uh, I was getting dizzy. And uh, I pictured a big silvery cross in my mind, which is the way I was trained. And because th this was basically not a really a physical attack, it was a psychological attack. So I, I, um, I recognized that and I uh, pictured that big silvery cross in, or, or, you know, cross in my mind and it, it didn't break, it didn't break me free. So. I had a bottle of holy water in my back pocket and I, and I used the holy water and it was, uh, uh, an instant of relief once I threw that holy water and I got out of that basement and I, I backed up those stairs. I didn't, I didn't walk up normal. I backed up. I didn't turn my back off that. I didn't turn my back to anything in that basement at that point. 
And when I got upstairs, I, you know, I, I, I breathed a sigh of relief, but I didn't, I didn't let on to the family that I had that experience. You know, that's not what I'm about. You know, if, if I had a problem, then how are they going to fare? You know what I mean? Right, so I right. See, I didn't see any of the effects. And I had grabbed uh, Joe um, to the side, and I let him know. And uh, he, he gave me a, a note that was dictated, and it, it said, Home will come to those below, beware the night. You know, wow. um, and I, I did le later learn that that the woman Gabby was uh, constantly being drawn or, you know, uh, attempting to draw the family members into that basement. So I unwittingly, uh, you know, just walked right into it. And, uh, you know, it taught me a lesson that I needed to uh, first complete my interview before I would do anything like that. But then later on in years... I needed to go through the house before the interview. So, you know, um, it worked out that way. Yeah. I've never, thank God I've never had another experience like that, you know. Um, so, you know, that's where I'm at. But it, it doesn't stop me from doing what I need to do. No, I know it doesn't. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, you've helped so many. And I remember you telling me when you were uh, in your police sergeant days you said i've seen the worst of humanity and that's nothing compared to looking into the into the eyes of a possessed person so that shows the degree of what you were battling well it's you know this then they have nothing to do with humanity and the closest that i can describe those types of situations is you're no longer really looking at what we know as human, a human being, this, it, it almost takes on the appearance of an animal. That's the closest I can describe it. Yes. You know, um, they say that the eyes are the window of the soul. I don't quite, I don't quite ascribe to that. Your actions are the windows to your soul. Um, wow. Not your eyes. So, um, but there was something definitely that was replaced. Um, I don't know if it was the humanity of the person or, or we were actually getting a glimpse, uh, you know, in the physical, uh, of, of what we're up against. I, I don't know, but there, it's not in all, it's not in all cases. There are just a few that I, that I seen this and, uh, it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious um, about free will and how much of the cases you've dealt with have been the result of, you know, hey, I'm going to mess around with this Ouija board or I'm going to cast this spell because then you've opened the door. Do you have you found that's been the majority over the years that it, you could trace it back almost like using your, you know, police work to determine, OK, where did this entry point begin? Well, that's, yeah, that's one of the things that we, uh, we're looking for, you know, um, the origins, uh, it sort of gives us the, the direction in which we need to travel in order to bring the case to fruition and actually cast out the demon. Yeah. You Cause know, it's not, can get the, yeah, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, because it's not a one size fits all like there, there, you have to approach things very differently according to each case. Right. Well, that, that's for sure. I mean, you know, sometimes we're dealing with cases that are, are generational. Something could have happened way back in in a per, in, in an individual or a family's life that created the problem in the present day. If if we don't ha have a direction to go in to try and find out where the origin is, and it, it, it's not a hundred percent needed, it just makes things easier. Yeah. You know, and, and it gives you a better base to work from as far as uh, the case is concerned and the exorcism is concerned. So um, you, we can go back into family histories if that's where we feel we need to go. Or it could be it could be somebody that's done something to you that you don't even know dislikes you, uh, yeah. you know, who se secretly harbors ill will towards you on the on the surface. 
they're friendly, they're caring, uh, but uh, underneath, and that's why I said, your actions are the windows to your soul, you know, not anything else. That's how we define who a person is, by their actions. And, and their actions pretty much are going to tell you the condition of their soul. If they're nasty, evil bastards, then you could be sure they're not in a state of grace. They don't follow God, even though they might say they do. And there might be a whole bunch of outward signs that they do. They go to church every week. You know, you see them praying. You know, they, they do charitable work. But that's not who they are. Um, they're evil, and they do evil things. Yeah. That's who they are. It, so, you know, there is a lot to uncover, you know, and, 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 and that's why prayer is, is, is a must. And fasting, you need to connect the fasting with the prayer in order to, um, you know, hopefully receive the inspirations of the Holy Ghost on where you need to travel with this particular case. That's, I hope that answered your question. If not, oh. you know clarify it no it 100% answered my question <laughs> I'm just I think you mentioned the Ouija board and, and spells and, and I'd like to say one something about that please do not everybody who casts a spell or plays with a Ouija board is going to have the results of demonic infestation you know God does not allow a lot of the things that we do on this earth to affect us in that manner so you know the demonic can only do what God allows them to do and, and there are times when somebody might break out the Ouija board after using it 50 times, and then God will allow something to enter through that opening. You know, people say, I don't believe in that, you know, the, the, the portals, it's your intention. That's what opens up the portal. It's, it's what your intentions are. And you mentioned free will. And if your free will is, has the intention to open up a connection with the demonic, if God allows it, you'll get it. Wow. I, I mean, well said. That was uh, definitely one of my questions, so you just answered that. <laughs> um, okay. I'm curious, um, Some, at least maybe one sign, because you're such an expert, how do you determine if you just have a nasty earthbound versus demonic spirit? I mean, that... Because uh, I know sometimes one can mirror tr- trying to present itself as demonic, and it is not. So how do you how do you determine that? Well, first I want to um, talk about the word expert. I don't think there are experts in anything on this earth. So I, I never consider myself an expert because I, you know, I can learn from uh, something. In as soon as I get off this phone, I could probably learn something that I didn't know. So, you know, that, that, that expert, there's a lot of people out there, they, they claim they're experts in something. I, I would be very leery about people who claim that they're experts in, in, in any given, um, you know, discipline. But well, well the said. The way we determine that is basically by the phenomenon that the family is experiencing. We know that the human spirit human beings to begin with are weak we cannot affect anything outside of our physical um, area meaning if i'm outside my house i cannot affect anything physical inside my house unless i'm using some type of a gadget to do it so we are as as um a creature inherently weak we can certainly not affect Anything outside the natural order that God institutes, the demonic, on the other hand, they can do that. So if, if we have a, a, a human spirit, they're not going to be able to bring about a great amount of phenomenon in the house. If one of the examples I gave in the demon files, if you have a washing machine of, of being flung across the room, and I've had cases like that looking at a demonic spirit you're not looking at a human spirit so it would be the types of phenomenon that we're dealing with um, that would give us a pretty good indicator on what type of spirit we're dealing with wow well said yeah because I, I you summed it up it would take a human spirit so much energy just to 
you know, uh, to have a minor degree of communication. If you have a, you know, a grand piano or a washing machine flying across the room, you're probably dealing with something very negative, something inhuman. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, when you have a heavy bunk bed jumping up and down off the ground, you know that that's, that's not grandma doing that. <laughs> right. I'm curious. Um, you were friends with uh, Scott Derrickson, for years, and I know he kind of he really wanted to make your story. He really wanted to make your life into a movie, and um, he, you know, makes Deliver Us from Evil, which is based on you know your life story. Um, of course, they you know use some some Hollywood elements in it, but you know the, the gist. Lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> what was it like for you? Cause I know you're not a guy in any way, shape or form who seeks Hollywood or attention or anything like that. What was it like for you to see, you know, a movie based on your life brought to the big screen? What do you mean actually being on the set? Yeah, and 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 just the whole process, because I know it's not you know you you're not a fame seeker by any means, and w- so what's your reaction when people are like, oh, you know what I mean, like being on set, and then when the movie actually came out. Well, when I was on a set, I just uh, you know I I was the police consultant, and and that's that's what I uh, you know that's what I kept my um, my business to. Yeah. I didn't interfere with Scott Derrickson or any of the actors' processes, you know, unless I was asked, you know. Um, and and Eric Banner never, we never really spoke about, uh, you know, uh, cases or anything. We spoke more about motorcycles and, and cars and things of that nature, you know. Um, I, I think that his 16-year-old son asked me, tougher questions that I ever got from his father. You know? <laughs> um, he asked me questions I couldn't answer. I'm like, where'd you come up with that? And I says, hey, Eric, what are you feeding this kid? He's asking <laughs> these questions I can't answer. You know, uh, a, a pretty smart kid, you know. Um, but we, we had, if, if they needed to have something done, you know, they'd call me. Uh, and, and it got to the point where they, where they would call Saatchi and, and both me and Eric Banner would answer. what one of the assistant directors came up with says okay when we want when we want the real Ralph Sarchi we're going to call out for actual is actual here (laughs) so when I heard is actual here I knew they were calling for me so I you know I'd go over and I'd answer or help out with whatever they needed but um that is hilarious I gotta tell you it's sort of not that it ruined me, but it sort of ruined the magic for me to actually watch a movie being made. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? That didn't happen. And, you know, <laughs> it was, the special effects was unbelievable. You know, I didn't even know they could do some of that stuff. Right. Right. You know, um, I'm like, he, when, when Jimmy Tratner jumped through the window, um, they had made a frame in the doorway of the kitchen. So when he jumped through it, he actually jumped into the kitchen, not, <laughs> not out the, the window, you know. Because when I saw it, I'm like, what the hell is this doing here? You know, <laughs> what is, what's this for? They're like, that's the window. And I'm like, yeah, all right, good luck with that, you know. When I saw it, I'm like, holy crap. You know, so to see stuff like that, it's sort of, and, and Eric Banner never laid eyes on a lion. Right, right. He never saw a lion in in that zoo or anywhere else outside that zoo. He, there was no lions there when the, he did that scene. You know, and I just com- thought it was amazing that he can actually act as if he was seeing two lions. That were <laughs> eating, you know, and I remember, so, I remember that. Know, I'm, I'm not knocking, but you know, I just thought it was amazing the process uh, of seeing that. You know, and and I did build some friendships. You know, with the people that were there, like Mike Marino, who did the special effects. I mean, you know, I, when we broke for for meal, I sat with him and his crew because they did some amazing stuff. You know. Oh, a hundred percent. I was actually very fortunate to go to his studio um, to see wow. a, a lot of his work, and 
the reason why I was there is because he claimed the studio was haunted. And uh, I went there, and I believe he's correct. Oh, wow, look at that. Talk, talk about being at the right place. Yeah, there was a lot of amazing stuff that I, um, you know, that I witnessed and, and, and experienced with with the movie. And and I remember, and this is what a, a, a great guy Ralph is, even though he's going to argue otherwise, but his big request from the studio after all this was just like, hey, I want to do a private screening for some of my friends and family, and I was honored enough to be invited to that, and I appreciated that so much that you would do that. And, man, it was such a great time. For those of you who haven't seen it, see that movie, Deliver Us From Evil. Do you remember Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? (laughs) I sure do. graciously invited me and my family down. I was honored to do that, buddy. Well, I returned the favor, and I was honored to have you. It was an NYPD uh, special screening. And, you know, I got to tell you, they wanted me to come out to California. And I says, I don't want to come out to California. (laughs) So Scott said, you know, I I think Jerry is going to have a special screening for the NYPD. So I'm like, okay, I'll come out to California. And that's basically how that worked. Wow. um, I I requested that screening. And and Jerry Bruckheimer honored it. And I had to go to California uh, for that. So I hope you enjoy it. But no. (laughs) Um, I'm always looking to return the kindness of other people. And you showed me kindness that time. You know, uh, we'd never met before. No, we hadn't at that point. No. You know, you, you were kind enough to invite us down there and something that we wouldn't have been able to experience. And, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to return that kindness. And so, you know, it, I did nothing extraordinary. Well, it was, uh, it was appreciated more than you know, buddy. So thank you for that anyway. I really appreciated that. You're more than welcome, Brian. Um, your life kind of then went into the direction of doing the demon files. And I, what, one thing I really respected about you is you insisted, don't you do any doctoring? I don't want any of this footage altered because you know, some of those shows, they have potential reputations of doing that and your integrity and your reputation, you know, for the work was way more important than any TV show. So I just wanted you to know how much I respected that. Cause I remember when you said that. I had some great producers, Eddie Bellini and Aaron Plakinski. I can't say his name. <laughs> Plakinski, maybe there we go. That sounds right. Uh, and, uh, they, they were dynamite, you know, they were, they were on board. They, they saw what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I actually did have some, uh, I had a lot of say in the editing process, which is really unheard of, you know, especially for, for a, a, a possible uh, first season. And I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things in network, they, they try to get me to stop praying. They wanted me to stop praying, you know, and Eddie told them to go pound sand, you know. And um, go Eddie. I, I think that they realized that they couldn't control me right from the get-go and and if if it became successful um you know they wouldn't be able to control me uh you know even further but they wouldn't have had to you know what i mean absolutely they, they really have a different you know i guess in the in the in the um tv and movie and, and entertainment business they come across more cutthroat backstabbers that they do people who are people of their word you know and yeah the demon files almost didn't happen i actually told them to all go pound sand <laughs> and uh it was eddie that um wanted me to to just wait he said just give me three days i said okay magic number for me and uh i had a we had a conference call with uh discovery which is you know the the parent company of Destination America. And I had about maybe eight people on that call. Uh, many of them were, were attorneys. And, you know, there was a problem with the uh, with the contract. I wasn't happy with some of the things that they were asking me. You know, they wanted to own me in, in all perpetuity. I'm like, are you crazy? You actually think I'm going to do that? So, you know, um, 
I'm like, listen, you know, they wanted us to go on a word and a handshake. I says, listen, judges don't go on words and handshakes. They want to know what's in the contract. <laughs> Damn said, right. And you know, if I, if, if I'm the type of person that we can go on a, a, a word and a handshake, but judges don't honor that. So, you know, um, you either proceed in the manner that I request, or we don't have to do this because, and my, my exact words was, were to them, I'm not honey boo boo. I don't need to do this. <laughs> you know, and I, that I had a very, very strong guardian angel in in, uh, in Destination America because he wanted to do this show. You know? Yeah. Um, but I had warned them. I said, listen, I'm not capturing ghosts in boxes or any of that alone. <laughs> I said, if you right. try to change this show into one of those, I says, you'll not have a show. We'll be done. I laid it out for them. I was honest with them. They might not have liked my delivery, but it was honesty and it was the truth. And that's just the way it is. I, I am not interested in networks. I'm not interested in Hollywood. I don't want to be connected to any of that. And, and that honestly cannot tell you how much I respect that. And I remember something you told me long time ago and it always stuck with me you said i could talk all day about god and not mention the devil once but i cannot talk about the devil without mentioning god because god plays such a integral part in all of our lives and i'm just i'm so happy and honored that somebody like yourself is not afraid to embrace and talk about god and the power of god well that was my realization uh, Brian, after many, many years, you know, um, with all of the knowledge that I accumulated, whether it was my own research or it was from one of my mentors or from somebody that God put in my path because I needed to hear it, I, I took the long way around. I studied more about the, the demonic. I studied about the devil. I studied cases when in fact I should have been, I should have been studying God. You know, um, I took the long way around. You cannot know the devil unless you know who God is. But most importantly, once you learn who God is, you know who the devil isn't. And that's what we go on, who he's not, because he's going to pretend to be something else, that he's something he's not. So if, if you know him for who he really is, he can't hold any power over you. He can tempt you. He can come after you. He might succeed. That depends on our own free will and our relationship with God at that up to that point. You know, but it, it, it's it's got to be all about God. You know, he's the creator. He created the devil. Why am I studying about a creation? I should be studying about the creator. Wow. When I say studying, I mean, you know, reading scripture reading uh, books on the, the lives of the saints because they are our greatest window into who God is aside from scripture. But, you know, scripture, it's not a complete, you know, it, it, it's not complete. It's just a part of, of, of Jesus, and it's just a part of who God is. There is a lot more, and I find that through the Catholic Church, through the saints, through the sermons of the traditional Catholic priests that I am, that I'm so honored and blessed to, uh, you know, to know and, and get to know. And, and, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's about our journey with God, not with the devil. Who is, he's nothing. A little, a little lady crushes his head at the end. How much of a threat could he be? <laughs> well said. I love I, I love that because I think too many people glorify, you know, through television and you know the goth community. Some of the you know, oh, I'm going to find my answers going this path. No, you're not. You're not going to find the answers going the wrong path. Follow the light. The, and that's it. And and they think they're going to get some reward, but they forget the devil is the ultimate deceiver. That, that's something that I just spoke about in my last interview, actually, um, is, is how 
the followers of the devil believe that he is going to reward them. And that's not the case because when he looks at the soul, he knows that God created that soul and he hates God. Your soul, you're created in the image of God. He hates God. Why is he going to reward you? He's not going to reward you with anything. He's going to use you and he's going to lie to you. You know, and there, there is really nothing uh, worse than a, a liar and a slanderer. You know, I can't stand people like that. I have, I have a difficulty with people who, who lie. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about a little white lie where you might tell your kid, you know, if you don't eat all your vegetables, you know, you're not <laughs> right. going to get Santa Claus is going to bring you something. You know, I'm not talking about that crap. I'm talking about stuff that changes people's lives and not for the better. You know, and I don't understand why. Why would anybody want to hurt someone else? I I don't get that either. Does not deserve it. Yeah, I you know, I see a drug dealer getting filled with holes. I have a hard time getting broken up about that. But if <laughs> I see a hardworking man who has five kids coming home from work, and he's dead on the pavement, man, I have a problem with that. Yeah, I get angry over that. Me too, buddy. So, and, you know, I understand the frailty and the, the fallen nature of humanity. But we take it really one step further because if you need something in life, you can usually find through the mercy of God somebody that will give you what you need. You know, you can find it if you if you need it. I don't know many people that would turn a, a, a starving man away or, you know, a starving person away. I give... I, I, I myself would give you my last five dollars to give get you something to eat, so it's there to if you ask for it. You don't need to go and take it forcibly from somebody. So true. That's so true. Well, you just broke that into perfect perspective, my friend. Uh, I'm. It's the power. Uh, we all have choices to make in life and you know we, we want people to be on the right path but that's ultimately going to be up to them but just as a small example and i'm sure you heard this story anton levey who wrote the satanic bible on his deathbed got a terrible look on his face and said oh my god what have i done what have i done this is all wrong this is not how it was supposed to go and basically had a heart attack of pure fear because they were coming to drag his soul down because there was no reward in his afterlife. Well, he realized it and they, and, and it said that the most horrifying hour that we can ever experience is that last hour before we die, you know, with the exception of people who are suddenly killed, you know, there, there are some that are spared that I would imagine, you know, it's horrifying mm -hmm. enough to be killed by someone or something. But when you're on that deathbed, uh, is it any less horrifying? You know, um, that last hour is supposed to be that time that you see, uh, you know, who's coming for you. And that could be an explanation on that. But, I, you know, I've heard this happen, uh, you know, with other people like John the 23rd. Um, he had the same experience. Um, what have, oh my God, what have, what have I done? You know, I, I don't know if that is what you would call, uh, you know, um, a perfect act of contrition that you've realized in that last moment before you die that you were horribly sinful. And in that thought frame of, oh, my God, what have I done? Is that a, I'm sorry? You know, right, because right. If, if it's a heartfelt I'm sorry, then you're going to get mercy from God. He's going to give you mercy. He's not going to say you know, uh-uh, it's too late. Once you give up your last breath, then you can no longer change anything, you know, um, past, present, or future. There is no future for you. You cannot exercise free will after that point. The only thing that's left, there are two functions, the two functions of the soul are intellect and free will. When you draw your last breath, there is no more free will. It's, you've exercised it to the limit. But the only thing that's left is your intellect. You still are conscious as a being. You remember the things you've done. You remember the people that you've been involved with. But now, 
all of those memories, if you do not obtain heaven, become your nightmare. Because wow. the demonic will take control over your intellect and they will use it against you to bring the most torment to that soul possible. And Archbishop Fulton Sheen said that the state of a soul in hell is the state of perfect mental illness. And that's why I think a lot of demonic possession manifests itself as mental illness. And we're seeing an awful lot of it now, this transgenderism. I don't want to get you demonetized, but, you know, it is the truth. Transgenderism is a mental illness. And Father Um, Martin had told me uh, a long time ago, he had said to me, I don't remember the context of the conversation. We had so many, but he said to me, he says, you're going to see an, an uprising in child possession. And I was shocked by it. I said, child possession? I said, why? He said, God is going to chastise the parents for not teaching their children about God, about their creator. So I, I, you know, I didn't ask him any more questions because, you know, I was young and dumb. You know, now I'm old and a little less dumb. And the question (laughs) comes into my mind that, uh, well, how is this going to come about? You know, is it going to be an actual, uh, you know, like little children are going to be, uh, uh, actually demonically possessed because I've dealt with with children. I think the youngest one was four. And wow. I with her when she was eight. So, you know, she was still a child, a little kid. And this kid was genuinely possessed. You know, I, I've seen some things w- with that particular case. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to figure it out. And I, and I do believe that, um, and, but I could be wrong. This is just what I feel. My my opinion, my theory, is that this phenomenon of child possession is actually coming to fruition right now, in the form of mental illness through transgenderism. Wow. So you know, um, I, I'm looking at that. I don't know for sure, unless the time isn't even right yet, that there will be actual little children being possessed which i i can't i can't wrap my head around that but you know um that's a possibility that i i can't dismiss because of what father martin had told me and i and with a lot of things going on in the world do you see evidence of the antichrist rising well <clears throat> i see the plan um to bring that to fruition, uh, trying to be implemented, uh, not only here in the United States, but worldwide. Uh, you know, uh, there are many things that are happening right now. Uh, you know, we are on the, uh, you know, right on the edge of, of a uh, nuclear war uh, with Russia and the Ukraine. And, you know, I, I do believe that it's uh, Putin's sense of, you know, um, reality that he doesn't want to do that. Right. You know, he will, if he's backed into a corner as any leader would do, uh, you remember that I don't, I don't look at the Ukraine as being the heroes in this whole cl- conflict. I don't think there are any heroes. It could have been settled in a different world. Right. But is oh, looking out for his people. And I wish that the leader of our country would look out for us the way Putin is looking out for his <laughs> right we don't have that we have the complete opposite of that here in the united states of america but you know with with ukraine right on the border and and seeking to become a nato country uh, it's also the ukraine is slated to be the headquarters of the new world order um so you know there's a lot more at stake than most people are are understanding why because they don't understand what this whole thing is all about. And it is exactly that event, the Antichrist event. Everything that we've seen going on in this world leads to that one event. And this, the scary thing is that, you know, in Scripture, we're being told that even the elect are going to be fooled by the Antichrist. There's only going to be a small amount of people that are going to know who he is for who he really is, 
or who he really isn't. I should wow. Say. Well said. Because the Antichrist is known as the ape of God. Wow. That's what we call him. He's an ape, an ape of God. He's the dumb one. Ain't that the truth? And again, you know, I, I've seen some apes that have shown more more rationalization skills and common sense than some human beings that are running around on this earth. Don't figure that one out. <laughs> right. So true, my man. So true. Ralph, this, honestly, this has been an honor to have you. Um, I want to mention the book again, Deliver Us From Evil. Please pick it up. Read it. It is inspiring of course it can be terrifying in certain parts but it's also inspiring and i think it helps open the door to hopefully you know allow some people to make the right choices with their life when they see what can happen when you open the wrong doors and um by the way before i before i let you go Ralph, are you still actively in the work right now in florida yeah yeah i'm more of a consultant you know, advisory position. Uh, I, running around the country is not uh, appetizing to me anymore in my old age. You know, I, I don't want to travel all over the place. So <laughs> I try to help people from a distance. You know, if I have to, I will go, but I, I prefer not to. Uh, I, you know, and so that's that's where I'm at right now. And and you know, since the Nova Soto Church, the mainstream Catholic Church, has. Um, uh, an awful lot of trained exorcists out there. Uh, you know, there's a lot less need to come to a layman uh, when they can go right to a clergyman. You know, back in the day, there, there weren't a lot of, there weren't many uh, exorcists out there, you know. But you got to beware of the phonies. There's a lot of phonies out there who claim to be priests and exorcists and they're not, you know, they're not valid. Yeah. But I just want to say one thing before I go. Beware the Night and Deliver Us from Evil are the same book. Yes, they're the same book. I've got a lot of people, they buy, they buy Deliver Us from Evil and they buy Beware the Night. And it, it's the same book and I feel bad because they, you know, they wasted their money on a second book. Uh, you know, that uh, that's the same book. So I just wanted to make that clear. Let's buy one or the other, but buy the cheapest one. Deliver Us from Evil is the cheapest one. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. See, he's still looking out for people. <laughs> See, even in his book, he's looking out for people. <laughs> well, you know, hey, listen, man. The way I look at it is if I'm looking out for you, then hopefully you'll be looking out for me. Hey, so, amen, uh, brother man. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Ralph, I want to I wanted to ask you to hold on for one second because I just want to thank you off air for, for doing this, but it, it was an honor and um wow. I, I hope you'll come back sometime because I would love to have you back. Anytime you want, Brian. Oh, uh, you're there. We go. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> for Ralph Sarchi, this is Brian Hobson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>